it is September 1st, Tuesday, uh, and you're back with another edition of Kentucky Politics Weekly. As always, I'm your host, Trey Watson, and uh, with me is Tom Stevens. Tom, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Trey. How are you doing? Doing well. For those of you who can't, uh, who won't be able to see the feed here, uh, Tom is wearing a Make Hardwood Floors Great Again hat. So, Tom, a, a <laughs> strong advocate for pine and uh, <laughs> other uh, other sorted hardwood flooring and uh we are joined today by uh, uh first term state rep uh but certainly not a, a stranger to kentucky politics based on his familial connections uh mr adam bowling representative bowling how you doing sir doing great trade tom thank you all so much for having me and and for for calling me up from the uh, deep dark hills of eastern kentucky well, I, I, I always say if there's any if there was one county in kentucky that i wanted to that I, if I wanted to run for local office that I feel pretty confident I could move to and ha- and have a chance, bizarrely it's Bell County because I feel like I'd have the whole courthouse and the the oh yeah political machine down there behind me for my <laughs> time with Brand- the Brandon yeah. Smith campaign and you got a great uh, courthouse there the Albie Brock and uh, and Rob Links and all those all those fellows and you keeping Colby Slusher in line? Always trying to keep Colby in line, but that's that's a group <laughs> effort and uh, yeah. So that's, that's still what, what am I think it's always fun, always interesting. One of my favorite stories still is is Rob telling me about Colby juicing the computers at the uh, at, at the circuit court clerk's office to help uh, Jimmy Rose on America's Got Talent get the uh he did he made it. So, we, success. We, we had we had Jimmy playing a uh uh coal rally that was over was it in Pikeville? I, th- I think it might have been in Pikeville. We, we, had, we had we had him play at a coal rally with the, one of my coal clients a while ago, and uh, Senator McConnell was stopping by, and Al Rogers was there. You know, it was, it was a big deal. And so Jimmy showed up, and they had a gig in Tennessee the night before. He shows up, and he's got a van. People start rolling out of the van, and I'm like, huh, that's Rob, Colby. Pretty much like half of the elected county officials in yeah. Bell County are, are the roadies for Jimmy Rose setting, setting up that the t- you know, th- t-shirt stand. <laughs> Yeah, they had a big, you know, um, Cole Keeps the Lights On was his big song that, you know, he kind of went viral on and all that. And of course, they had a big Cole rally, and that was right when Friends of Cole was, was getting really, really big. So I think every elected official in Eastern Kentucky came to that rally in, in downtown Pineville to uh, to hear Jimmy sing. So Yeah, we, we, we used him for a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, when I was doing stuff with Faces of Coal and working with the Kentucky Coal Association National Mining I think we might have had him, in fact, up in D.C. We had a big rally on the, like, real, literally in front of the Capitol, on the steps of the Capitol. I think he, he played Cole Keeps the Lights on there, and we had a bunch yeah. of miners bust he, up. He's a good guy, too. Um, you know, he's got four or five kids, and he's doing taxidermy now and uh, still singing a little bit from, from here to there. But he's doing really well. He's married to his wife, Heather, and uh, they're doing well. So Good to hear. You good just hear. don't hear about as many people getting into the taxidermy racket these days. <laughs> hey that's good clean living down here tom <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right well but, let's... Uh, yeah the, the big news in bell county though is, is of course our commonwealth attorney uh karen greenblum Blondell, yes. after 27 years has decided to, to hang it up as of yesterday so then that's uh that's kind of the big the big news of course statewide people would probably recognize her more as, as matt jones mother yeah um, i was gonna say <laughs> But um, but yeah, she's she's been here for you know 27 years in that office. You never had to worry about, you know, you never had to worry about Kevin or Karen. She's just, you know, a, a very strong, very moral person. Uh, has always done a great job. So it's kind of weird thinking about you know prosecuting cases in Bell County and her not being there. Um, you know, her work with the local police departments and sheriff's office. I mean, been invaluable. So we'll definitely miss her. But wish her well in her retirement. And th- those, you know, those local prosecutor offices, man, they're hard. They're hard to keep somebody around for a long time because it's such small community. You know, you end up piling up people you made mad over over time. It's it's hard. Right. Like you got you got to really be a, a bridge builder to stick around that long in those in, in county attorney, commonwealth attorney, those, those sorts of offices. Yeah, absolutely. And I, she's done a good job of that. Um, yeah. If anybody right, well, knows about making people mad on a regular basis, too. It's Trey Watson. So you, you speak yes. from a position of expertise <laughs> in that regard, sir. <laughs> I, I, I have had some, some successes on that level. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's roll into some news here. Uh, there was a whole bunch of different uh, news kind of coming out in the Breonna Taylor uh, case up in Louisville. Uh, 
I guess today actually, and I haven't had a chance to read all the articles on it. Um, the, the Walker gentleman who was living with her, her boyfriend, I guess has now filed suit against the police department uh, for, for a variety of, uh, of offenses, obviously uh, wrongful uh, prosecution, wrongful I guess, prosecution. I don't know if that'd be the right term or not, Tom, because he was just arrested, but uh, not actually prosecuted charges were dropped, but uh, obviously, you know, everything that occurred there. So that, that'll be an interesting thing to watch, especially once you get into discovery and kind of all the, the tools that once there's a lawsuit filed, you have access to, to, to try to pry information out of places. It'll be interesting to watch. Um, Tom, interesting to me was uh, Philip Bailey, I believe uh, was, ha- has a story that the Commonwealth attorney up in uh, Jefferson County and apparently back earlier in the spring offered uh, Glover, the drug dealer who, who was kind of at the center of this whole this whole thing uh, offered him a deal if he would name Brianna Taylor as kind of a co-conspirator in his drug empire. And the kind of Commonwealth attorney says, well, that was just a draft document. Glover says, I'll go to prison before I I do that. Like, man, that's, why would you even put that in a draft document? Like, (laughs) that's just. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that, that that is, uh, that is wild. I mean, it, (laughs) If I mean, I get emails, I get, you know, five emails a day from people all across the country. We, we want justice for Breonna Taylor. You know, we, we want all four cops, you know, arrested immediately, charged for murder. Um, and if during that, if all of a sudden you put charges on Breonna Taylor and I mean, you talk about taking a match to a to a tinderbox. Um, I mean, it it just would have been an uproar. I mean, nationally um, and just not a good look at this time in my opinion yeah i mean that i you know again it, it may be something that she kick around behind the scenes somewhere but how does that ever make it into a draft that's then discoverable and something that could be you know there's paperwork on like yeah, really <laughs> really odd under the circumstances how that's that's happened and come out um you know the kind of the, I thought there was a great, well put together article in the front page of the New York Times this uh, Sunday. I, I actually read the whole thing, um, which I, I normally with the Times I kind of flip through the front page and uh, take more interest in some of the some of the back page stuff. Um, but I, I thought it was really well done, and it kind of kind of went through that you know the only person that's somewhat clean in this whole affair seems to be you know Brianna Taylor, and she she had turned her life around you know obviously she had she had been involved with this with this glover fella and uh you know but there's no uh, you know nothing's come out yet that that has a connection other than you know she might have at least allowed him to store some of his money there but you know it it also goes a lot into kind of the policing and man it seems like there were some massive mistakes made there i I don't some of the stuff might have been reported in louisville earlier and i just hadn't read it uh but you know like they told the they're supposed to if you're going to do a no-knock warrant there's supposed to be an ambulance you know within the vicinity on call ready to go at some point in the in the lead up to it on in, in the moments before they told the ambulance to leave uh you know it was they were supposed to have a knock and announce warrant which you know you basically you have you're ready to to blow the door down, but you knock and, and say, you know, uh, police and, and uh, announce yourself as opposed to the no knock. Um, and they, there's conflicting reports. Only one of about 12 or 13 witnesses say that they heard the police identify themselves. So, I, you know, it's hard to, hard to believe what's hard to, hard to kind of get a grasp on what happened there. Um, and then, I mean, it just so many strange, just confluences of mistakes and, it, it's it's hard it's hard to believe when you read it that kind of all this stuff was able to happen at the same time and now and now we're now we're we're here where we're at and it's just it le- it, it makes you understand how hard police work is and how important it is to follow the rules because if these guys had followed the book line by line this wouldn't have happened and you know mistakes were made and <laughs> Man, it's just it, it was it was an interesting article. No, if people haven't read it yet, I, I I would I would urge you to go out and read it because it it follows both the police timeline and kind of Brianna Taylor's life uh, from about a college age and uh, to, to to this year. So I would commend people it, to read that article. It feels like things are speeding up. I, uh, I saw the attorney general has said that there won't be any um, 
announcement this week, I guess, which sort of makes sense with Derby and other things going on in Louisville. I'm not sure how much more Louisville can take, but it feels like we're getting really close to, um, you know, sort of the denouement here and, and what's going what's gonna to come. So, I don't know if you guys have any takes on that, but I, I just don't – I don't know that Louisville can hold out much longer. Um, well, you know, he, he said repeatedly that he was waiting on FBI ballistics uh, report to come back, and I guess he got that Monday. Um, did, did it almost sound like, Trey, that he had gone up to Washington, D.C. almost to shake that out and speed that up? I, I'd seen where he had gone and met with the Justice Department. Well, I, it, he, so he was on the Sunday shows on Sunday. I think it was on – was it Face the Nation maybe? And he, he said that he had just received it and he was going to meet with the FBI to go through it with him. So I wasn't sure if, you know, that meant that he was going to DC or it's him and Russell Coleman and, and some other folks from justice sitting down to go through it. Um, but you know, the hope is now that they've got the ballistics, they can, you know, and, and I know people are mad that it's taken so long, but you know, this is a big case and it's his first major case is, is attorney general. And, man, you, you don't want to go in half cocked and, and, you know, have something get thrown out in court and screw up, screw up a case. So, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're going to charge the cops with something, and we, you know, we've talked many times, you know, it's debatable as to what there is to charge them on. Um, you know, you don't want, you don't want a case get, to get thrown out because you, you didn't have the right ballistics or, you know, you were missing a piece of evidence. And so, you know, you just kind of at this point, you kind of have to have faith in him that he's that he's he's the only guy that's got all the pieces. <laughs> you have to have that kind of have to have faith that he's he's putting them together in the right way. Uh, yeah, there's been a, I mean, as we all know, there's been a lot going on. Additionally, in the background, beginning of a term, uh, putting together your team, the backdrop of COVID nineteen, um, and then I, this hasn't been terribly well covered, but. You know, a lot of this stuff sat in the hands of uh, Louisville Metro, uh, Mayor Fisher, other people. And it sort of, it was a long time coming before all of the materials were provided to the Attorney General's office. It, yeah, I got that feeling looking at it that it was sort of like, okay, guys, you know, it, it was it was, it was was a drop here, drop that, you know, pieces of it were provided, but not the entirety of it. So they, they spent almost two, it. it's coming. Yeah, they, they spent almost two months trying, trying to investigate themselves, which never works out well. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think we're close and i mean everybody can complain about it but it is it's it's you know it's better to do it right and be thoughtful I, i'm sure yeah. everybody would agree in that that's thoughtful about it uh on to the to the to the covid news for the for the day uh i guess we'll start with the with daycare centers uh the governor has has expanded i think it's now you can go from 10 to is it 10 to 12 or 10 to 15 in a classroom 15 yes 10 to 1 5 10 to 15 in the classroom. Uh, parents can actually take tours of facilities if they're looking at one to potentially send their kid to. The most interesting one to me is they're going to use some of the COVID money to uh, help pay for the for non-certified daycares to go through the certification process, which honestly isn't the worst thing. I think we, we have a, a lack of trustworthy, good daycare facilities in, in the state. Yeah, so that might not be the worst thing for the long run of the Commonwealth. But, uh, you know, it, it's – what was that, Tom? Well, I was going to say, do you want to set up your your residence as a pod? No, God, no. I mean, because you you can pay twenty five hundred bucks <laughs> and you can you can become a pod. No, God, no. There there's there's a, there's a reason. <laughs> there, 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 there's a reason that uh, we got Finn in, in karate karate NTI camp and and uh, Keegan's back in uh, back in full time daycare. <laughs> All right, so I read this right. Why would anybody right now, especially you know, uh, cash is probably fairly tight in most terms. Well, who would go and spend $2,500 to bring in the state that doesn't have time to do any of its other core functions right now? How, why would you go and pay them $2,500 to come in and basically, you know, interrogate you, go through your home and try to regulate it as a daycare center for something that you've created with like friends and family? I mean, who's going to do that? I, you know, part of me wonders if this isn't some sort of thing, because you know, I know there's, I've heard rumors of a number of teachers basically taking a year off of teaching and essentially doing a like eight to 10 kid pod, like NTI camp that they, that they run themselves at a bit of home or something. So part of me wonders if this isn't, you know, some way to, to create a way for them for, for uh, the state to push back on, on teachers and educators who are doing that to make, make money on the side. I mean, because the teachers I've talked to, I've talked to a couple that are doing independent, uh, uh, kind of tutoring hell they're making way more money doing that than they than they than they do teaching 
<laughs> That's right. None, none of those people are doing that cash money, are they? I mean, these aren't people that might be doing this and avoiding the some of that income. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if it were me, the only way I would do it was for cash. That's that's <laughs> and a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I talked to a pro provider this morning on, on the, uh, you know, expanding it from 10 kids to 15 kids. And it's, it is going to be a huge help. So I am glad to see that, um, you know, before this, leaving it at 10 kids was going to leave them with 100% of their expenses with getting between 65 and 70% of the revenues they had coming in. Um, just the way it was set up under the guidelines. So this will help that. Uh, talk to her. She said, I don't care if I can just break even and get through this time. That's all I want to do. Um, but uh, hopefully, she's hopeful this will allow them to do that. So I am glad to see it. Well, we've, we've talked about it with specifically the restaurant industry in the past, but it goes the same for, for any business. You know, if, if you open and have run a business for however long with a specific business model that, you know, my overhead's this and I got to clear this much to, to break even, this much to profit, like, you know, you've got a business model set up. If you come in all of a sudden and say, okay, well, you know, now you can only max out at this. Like it totally changes your business model. And yeah. man, you know, when you got salaries and rent and, you know, all sorts of other stuff that's, that's pot committed that you can't change, it makes it hard to operate a business. So, yeah. you know, the closer we can my, get back to normal, the better. My in-laws, a good example of that is, you know, and they're in a unique situation, but they have, they have an inn in Harrodsburg, Kentucky, Beaumont Inn. And, you know, they're in an 1800 four-story building, you know, and, just to be able to heat and or air condition that place, the, the, you know, the electric, the utilities on that place. I mean, doing it at 25% or even 50%. I mean, it just does not work. Um, and that's why I just, I don't like these top down, just, you know, one size fits all, um, you know, ways to solve the problem. I mean, it just, it just doesn't work. You know, they have a ton more space there than most people would have. And, you know, they're, they're able to get more people in there. So let them do it. They'll do it safely, but. Eh. <laughs> and, and, and you know, you know what, this, this thing is spread. When you're talking about in, indoor facilities, this thing's spread through ventilation systems. Guess what? House built in 1800s doesn't have great ventilation. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> it kind of helps yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. The ventilation system's called a window. You get <laughs> heard okay. of it. <laughs> uh, Beaumont Inn, man, that's a that's a great place. That's that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Shout shout out to uh, uh, Adam's sister in law, my friend from college, Amy Deadman. But <laughs> there you go. So, uh, is that Dixon Deadman? Is is Dixon the one that runs the the place now? Yeah, Dixon is. He's that's yep. my brother in law, and yep, good guy. Uh, well, I don't know. A couple of things I took away from that earlier, just to go back quickly. I mean, Kentucky already has a child care issue, right? So we've gone from 4,300, mm -hmm. I think, providers, I don't know, six, seven years ago to right now we're under 1,800 providers. Um, and I, I, one thing that was in the Herald Leader had a story today and uh, something I took away from it, I think it said that what they did, a, they did a poll. I think maybe they polled, it was pretty good numbers, about a third of the providers that were out there. And something like 40% of those said that basically they were, they were looking at probably shutting down in the next six months. I mean, yeah. that is devastating when you're trying to jumpstart the economy and, and, and find ways to pull all this together. So I, I, I don't give the Bashir administration a ton of compliments, but I, will, I think that this was uh, much needed. I don't know where they – I would probably still be critical, and I have no idea where they came up with the 15 number um, or if that's based on any science or theory, but I, that, that's – I'm glad that they were able to do that. Well, I'll tell you that there's, there's, there's like a different like national, it's not like a certification thing, but it's like a seal of approval type thing from, from a national board because of uh, the daycare we've sent our kids to uh, has it. And you know, theirs is actually to get this kind of ranking or seal or whatever you, you've got to be even below that. Cause I think for the toddler wing, it's eight, uh, no, no more than eight kids in a classroom. Yeah. I think it's eight kids in a classroom for the, t for the, for like the infant wing and then I think it's, I want to say 12, no more than 12 per teacher in a classroom um, for toddlers. So you, you, you could have 20, but you'd have to have two teachers. Um, so, you know, I, I think there are, there are some, some stricter guidelines out there for 
you know, you're, you're a little bit pricier daycare. So they probably kind of went, it sounds like they fell somewhere in between like the rules the state of Kentucky uses. And, and then some of these, some of these stricter uh, guidelines, it's kind of the, you know, the elevated industry standards. Uh, yeah. In the, in the, uh, in the press conference, he kind of sounded like, well, we were at 10 and, you know, we're going to bump it up to five and just kind of see how we do. And it, it, it came off to me as just kind of, you know, and like it came up arbitrarily. Um, he, he didn't just on the fly. Any, yeah. I mean, not on the fly. I mean, but it was just kind of like, well, yeah, we'll just, we'll do five and, and we'll leave it out there for a while and kind of see what happens and see, you know, you know, see if it spreads or anything like that. We may have to pull it back and, so I, I don't know where they got the five, but I, I can tell it will help. It will help the the center. So I'm I can tell you this: when when they reopened them, the uh, originally, are the heads of, of the place we send send the kids to it are on the or were on like the advisory board to for for all that. Nobody called them. Like <laughs> yeah. like they're on the board. They're on the board, and they they had no idea what the rules were going to be. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, they're, they're still not updating the Healthy at Work website for the state of Kentucky. We're all, I mean, particularly small businesses are supposed to go to get information. That that information is not being updated. Um, we we should start like how uh, Joe Sanka had a had a whiteboard with how how many days had been since the Bevan press secretary had re- replied to his email. We should start yeah. a we should start a how many days has it been since uh, the Bashir administration has updated the Healthy at Work uh, website. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make a note. <laughs> start, I'm going to write that up. We can start a whole Twitter account just for it. <laughs> just auto-bot it out. Uh, Tom, I know a case you, you're as, 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 the, as the show's lawyer, uh, resident lawyer, uh, you're watching the, uh, the state Supreme Court this week because the, uh, the kind of the combined Boone County and Evans Orchard uh, case against the COVID rules is going to be heard by the state Supreme Court this week. I think – Actually, on Saturday, you know, I've, I've got such an active social life. I printed out the um, the Boone County, the pleadings for that, and actually or read the, the briefs on that this weekend. Uh, pretty impressive bit of lawyering that came out of the Attorney General's office. Um, Sounds like a wild weekend, Tom. It's insane. Yeah, just just wait for Derby. Um, <laughs> so it was. It was it's, it's impressive. Um, and it's one of those, like, as I sit and read it, I just can't, I can't, imagine any scenario by which um, the Boone County group isn't successful. Now, some of it's been divided up. So there's a separate schedule that's in place for the stuff out of Scott County, Trey. Okay. I thought, um, I thought, they'd, so been, I thought they'd been combined. They've held it that part in advance. This is just on the Boone County stuff. Okay. So in any event, there, there are, and there are um, injunctive relief that's in place that applies to both. But as of now, the only one that's actually going forward with oral arguments is the, uh, the stuff from Boone County. And it's, it's one of those, like, I'm, I'm trying to think, how can they possibly craft a way around this for Andy Bashir? I was frustrated this week. The Supreme Court came in. I was fairly critical, as you recall, last week on the, the order that came from the governor's office uh, dealing with uh, evictions and that process in particular, you know, like this ban that they're trying to put in place that goes through December on interest and um, penalties. Um, and the Supreme Court has kind of done a bailout where they've come and issued an order on that process, but it doesn't start for another week. The whole thing is just muddled and messy and really difficult. Um, so I, I don't know. My, um, I, I hope that they will really focus on it and turn that decision around quickly. But I'm, I'm concerned that, you know, elections and other things that they may sit on it. Uh, Adam, what are you? I know there's there's a couple different bi- bills that have been pre-filed to to reform the governor's emergency powers. Kind of what what are you mm-hmm. hearing? What are you hearing on the legislative level? Um, that first and foremost, I mean, there will definitely be a bill that comes out. Oh yeah, that that's a, um, that, mean, that's a guarantee. It will it will I mean, be vetoed. I mean, if I could put down like a parlay bet, like yeah, will will there be a bill uh, uh, reforming exec- executive powers in, in a time emergency? Yes. Will he veto it? Yes. Will the veto get overridden? Yes. If I could do like a like a three vote parlay there, I can I can make mm-hmm. some money. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, no, I mean, just I'm waiting to see all the bills that are going to be filed because there's going to be numerous ones. You know, people are going to have different ideas of how we should approach it. And um, you know, the one that's got probably the most traction is Savannah Maddox's, and that's the one you see out there. People on Twitter and social media kind of push it. 
And uh, I get emails and, you know, direct messages on, on social media just saying, hey, why, why haven't you co-sponsored this? And, and, uh, and I'm all for it. If that's the bill that at the end of the day best solves the problem, I, I'm all for it. But there are going to be other ideas out there. So I haven't co-sponsored it just because I, I want to wait and hear. I want to see what other people think. I have a few ideas myself. Um, and I just I want to get with my guys up there in Frankfurt, uh, guys and gals, and just talk about it and, and see what we think the best approach is. But, yeah, I mean, just moving forward, just a terrible policy. I think, you know, we're, what, we're one of four states that, you know, the General Assembly has no recourse. And, uh, you know, we've never had this situation before. We didn't see it coming. And, you know, it's biting us in the rear right now. So definitely has to be fixed. Yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see just how how uh, how restrictive the <laughs> what we pass is compared to compared to other states. Hey, Trey, I got a, I got an update for you guys, too. So oral argument is actually on the 17th. Okay. So there's a whole – it's 10 a.m. You can stream that stuff now, too, off the, the interwebs. But think about this. So this thing started, um, they entered that injunctive relief July 17th. I mean, I know these are important issues and they need time to, to research and prepare their briefs and drafts, what have you. But man, don't you get the feeling this is, this is the single most important thing facing the Commonwealth right now and that it's being slow walked? Well, but I can also see the Supreme Court basically saying like, you know, this is going to set a precedent for a whole lot of other stuff. You know, we can't, we can't, we can't rush it. So, yeah. Um, let's see. Long time. Uh, Ernst and Young, their contract, uh, uh, I guess, once renewed contract with the state came to an end, uh, th- I guess, midnight last night as we rolled into September. And reporting, uh, I think it's from WDRB out of Louisville, is that the number of unresolved unemployment cases is basically the same. <laughs> There's still <laughs> 54, 5,400 unresolved cases from March, April, and May. Good God! <laughs> what did we pay these people for? I don't know. I'll tell you what, if they'll give me one of those contracts, though, you and I will knock that stuff out <laughs> in like 48 hours. We'll have it done. Wait, I don't even need $7 million. Give me like a million dollars in, in, in a barrel of bourbon, and we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll plow that through that thing in like 72 hours. <laughs> Do you get the feeling that at some point they're just going to take everything that's left, and they're either going to approve all of it or deny all of it just to make it go away? I mean, at some point you just got to start, you got, you, you got to triage and it, it seems like no, nobody's triaging. You know, Adam, I know there's been multiple, off, multiple offers of help from the general assembly offering mm-hmm. up staff to help, to help do it. You know, I know you guys sure. are getting pounded with messages from constituents ab- about this issue. I mean, you know, got three new ones this morning. So, I mean, and it is, it's every single day I get between three and six or seven different people reach out to me and it's so frustrating to, I mean, to not be able to do anything for them. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I can take down their name, their last four, their social, their address, and I can send it to, you know, the office that the governor's um, office has given us to, to send that information to, but then I mean, there is nothing tangible I can do other than that to help these people. And it is beyond frustrating. I feel useless. I'm embarrassed when I have to talk to these people and give them the truth. Um, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And I, I get that our media right now, that they have a lot to cover. Uh, they had COVID. They had Breonna Taylor. They had the primaries. They had more COVID. You had Black Lives Matters and a bunch of other stuff. Now you're heading into general election stuff with Trump and McConnell and, and all that. I get, they have a lot, their staffs are reduced. I get that. But if this were a Matt Bevan administration and this happens, there would be eight page mini series um, from every corner of the state, every socioeconomic background of people telling their story about how this has affected them. And it's just, it's just a shame. I hate it. I wish there was something I can do, and uh, I'm just very frustrated with it. The top two stories in the state right now should be Breonna Taylor and Black Lives Matter kind of rolled up into, into a package, and, and this. Like, the, these should yeah. be the top two stories to say, because you're talking you're – talking, what, what, what's the last number? I mean, we know we got 5,400 that are unresolved from, from March to May. What's, what's the last number you saw on total unresolved cases? It's like 60,000 or so, isn't it? No, it, last I saw was seventy three thousand. Seventy three. 
It, I, I did the math. So when they came out and before they hired Ernst and Young, they had they had seventy three thousand and some odd people. Now they have seventy three thousand. There was a three hundred and thirty seven uh, person difference in there. So basically, Ernst and Young just helped them tread water, but didn't actually help them catch up. Yep, they said they have it. They have the cases now up to ninety five percent. So now all they have to do is issue the letters. Ernst and Young was going to come in and help them issue the letters. They got approval from the federal government to allow them to do that. So hopefully they're they'll get those out. But I, 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 I'm going to do do a little, little bit of math real quick. All right, what's Tom? You may know this, Adam. You may know this. What's what's about the average amount of money that a person on unemployment would get on a monthly basis? Well, it's on a sliding scale based on what their income was prior to this. It's a, it's a percentage. I think the maximum amount of benefits, oh gosh, Trey, I want to say it works out around $400 a week. But then out of that, the, in Kentucky, they take out taxes. So which, we call it, call it 300 and something. Which has saved us. <laughs> yeah. It's, isn't that crazy? I mean, literally it saved our budget. But let's, yep. let's, let, but let's, let's, so let's say, let's say it's $1,500 a month. So, you know, $400 a week, minus taxes, give or take some fluctuation. We got, if we got 73,000 people, $1,500 a month, that is $109 million that is not being injected into the Commonwealth's economy just because Andy Bashir can't get his shit together on paperwork. That's ridiculous. You can, <laughs> you can say what you want to about Governor Bevan, but there is no scenario by which my old boss would have tolerated. Matt Bevan would be at, in unemployment. He'd throw a desk out the window and be like hitting people in the head with trash cans. <laughs> we would all be in there at terminals reviewing claims. There's no, I mean, it's just, that's not, that, think, that think just that, wasn't his style. On a monthly basis. That is $109 million a month that is not going into the Commonwealth's economy because of a paperwork problem. It's ridiculous. It is. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, get, let's get to something a little bit happier. Uh, Churchill starts racing today. Saw huge, huge handles in the spring. Um, I think, you know, there's more tracks running now, uh, a, little, it's a little bit more common places, other sports uh, going. So, you know, all your problem gamblers who for – uh, last time Churchill was running, we're only betting on horse racing, have NBA playoffs and baseball and stuff. But the Derb- Derby's this weekend. Um, I don't know if you guys saw Art Collector, who would have been one of the favorites, I think. Uh, pro- probably would have been second or third favorite. Uh, Scratch today. Uh, he's the horse that, horse that ran, uh, uh, the one, the uh, uh, Bluegrass Stakes, by a, by a sizable margin, if I recall correctly. Uh, it, more interesting news, Tis the Law, who just has looked outstanding at every race. Uh, I mean, just stomped the Travers Field. Uh, drew the 17 post, which uh, horses in the 17 post are 0 for 41. So, mm. uh, Tis Lot 17, Honor AP at 16, and Authentic at 18. And those three are probably probably the best thing that Tis Law's got going for it is that the 16, 17, and 18 are probably the three favorites. Uh, so, you know, you got all the, all the favorites coming from the outside, which may make it a little bit easier to, to, to come from, from that outside. But, you know, the Churchill, uh, it'll be a little bit different because it's not in the spring. So there's not like a 50, 50 shot of a, of a giant rainstorm coming down and throwing the entire thing into chaos. Uh, but yeah, you, you never know if one big rainstorm and you got Giacomo coming up at 90 to one or whatever. Trey, I heard a rumor that you were going to invite uh, all the listeners over to your place for Thurby. <laughs> Since the traditional Thurby activities have probably been significantly curtailed. We should, we should, have, we should have like a contest for, to, to fill our, our 10-person pod that's allowed in the backyard. I was say, yeah, which, which, which nine are you going to invite? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we can invite all our listeners and have a spot left over for one, you know. It's... <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> um uh, one of my favorite stories of the year that i i don't think we've gotten to talk about it enough on, on the show tom is uh, is, uh judge dawn gentry up in northern kentucky uh, <laughs> what a great appointment wow. <laughs> real winner there uh she she has been suspended without pay since january uh and uh a a panel of judicial ethics the uh, judicial ethics commission has uh, filed a total of 12 charges of misconduct against Gentry uh, and uh, recommended her to be removed from office. If you recall, this is the woman who was having sex, potentially a threesome uh, or, or more in her office. 
Or is there a footnote on that? Like, I, I that mean, particular it's charge. Like, here's, oh my God. Here, I, I'm reading from the Herald Leader right now. Gentry's violations included having court employees work on her campaign during the day while they were on state payroll, pushing out a female employee so she could hire a man with whom she was having a relationship, approving pay for employees when they were working on her campaign or doing other non-court work, filing a misconduct complaint against a lawyer who'd cooperated with the commission investigation and being dishonest with the commission. Gentry first told the commission she was not involved in a sexual and or romantic relationship with a male employee, but later admitted that was a lie. Um, yeah, I mean, when you if you get in and read like all the the testimony and stuff in this thing, it's, whew, yeah, that one's <laughs> that one's uh that was pretty cut and dry, I think. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know what I could possibly add to that. Some, sometimes, you know, you just think you see some issue and you're like, oh, that can't really be. It just can't be that bad. I think this one, no, it really is that bad. Adam Kamek, yeah. he was he was saying from the beginning, like when this all started coming out, he just like you have no idea. He's like, you know, this this is terrible. She's got to be gone. She's got to be gone. So I saw him celebrating on Twitter yesterday. So here's to you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> um, back to racing. Senator McConnell had a big press conference yesterday with a uh, Congressman Barr out at uh, Keeneland, and uh, they're. Uh, going to start push, pushing towards trying to trying to kind of put a, a national authority for horse racing in that would set a, a standard for medication, drug testing and racetrack safety. And a lot, a lot of people don't know that, uh, you know, when you run, run a horse in Kentucky, run a horse at, you know, at Del Mar out in, out in California, run a horse at Gulfstream in Florida. Uh, all three of them have different rules on how you can treat the horses, uh, you know, medically, what drugs are allowed, how close to the race you can give it to them. Um, under what conditions the, the tracks can be open or closed, the conditions are kept. Uh, and, and, you know, we saw, especially last year at uh, Santa Anita, there was a lot of, pro- a lot of horse deaths. Uh, Santa Anita last year, you know, they almost even moved the Breeders' Cup because of it. And then they had a horse breakdown in the, in the Breeders' Cup, if I'm not mistaken. Right, right Tom? Yep, that is correct. And so, you a- know, as, bad, as bad a PR situation as you can possibly have, it was a Breeders' Cup classic. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think, uh, there's, I, I think there, there is some understanding in the horse industry that if, if they're going to, especially among some, some of the higher ups, if they're going to, going to continue on and not kind of go the way of, of some other sports we've seen kind of, kind of die off because of public opinion. Yeah. I think they're going to need to get a, a nation, a national authority that, puts some standardization in and, and, uh, gives more, more for, for anything than to, than to push back on, you know, your, your PETA and, and those groups and, and, uh, SPCA and, 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 you know, give the public some confidence that these animals are being treated the, the right way. I think, I think this is another example of where, um, having, uh, Senator McConnell's leadership, uh, where he is in, uh, in the hierarchy of Washington, D.C., and the things that he's able to do for Kentucky, looking at our one of our signature industries, um, I just can't imagine a scenario within that industry where something like this is a possibility without his leadership. So um, I, I think that's just another check mark. I mean, good luck, good luck uh, fighter pilot, coming up with a way that you can respond to this one. Well, and, you know, I, I think – the Congressman Barr's had a had a bipartisan bill that's kind of languished in the House for a couple of years, doing something similar. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Congressman Whitfield was actually sponsoring it uh, before Congressman Barr took up the mantle. Uh, so you know, it's it's and you see this a lot with Senator McConnell, where he'll kind of let an idea percolate, whether it's in the House or, or in the state legislature, uh, as as with him, uh, he'll let an idea percolate somewhere else until he's got a comfort level with it and and has built up a knowledge base on it, and then he pulls the trigger and and things move pretty quick once the leader gets involved. Uh, speaking of fighter pilot, Tom, uh, I I just I got really amused when I saw uh. Rex Chapman was put out a tweet on Sunday that he was going to be at a, at a press conference, uh, as he called it in his own stomping grounds of West Kentucky. First of all, it, and Adam, be, being from kind of down in Bell County, you, you'll understand this saying that you're from Richmond, Kentucky and saying you're from East Kentucky is like saying right. you're is like being from Owensboro and saying you're from West Kentucky. You're like from okay. West, West central maybe, but like, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're not from, clearly west of the nature you're 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 in the middle like you know to me mm-hmm. central kentucky is kind of like 
you know, maybe Mount, Mount Sterling over to uh, the Natchez Parkway. You know, because you, you've, you've still got three hours to go, two and a half hours to go to get from Owensboro to, to, to Paducah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's yeah. All, so anyway, that's problem number one. But problem number two for me is <laughs> they were doing it at the Port of Paducah, which is that would not be where it is today. And Paducah would not be a growing community like it is today, were it not for Senator McConnell literally for like a decade squirreling money away in a variety of bills, $500,000 here, $250,000 there, $400,000 there to pile up the money to do the, the work that needed to be done to improve the Port of Paducah. Like it is literally one of his crowning achievements in office. And they're using it as a backdrop for a press conference to say why he's bad for, for West Kentucky. It is, it's like the most ludicrous <laughs> the most ludicrous backdrop for that press conference I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, who her whole campaign? I mean, I, I just can't figure it out. And I don't think she can either. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't. She's trying to get traction any way she can, and she just can't. I mean, she's got nothing. Um, and uh, I, that's an uphill battle. And I think the uh, majority leader's sitting pretty, pretty good right now. Well, you know, she, she's got a campaign being run by people not from Kentucky. She, you know, and I'm not going to say that she's not a Kentuckian. She's absolutely a Kentuckian. And she, you know, she put her life in the line to fight for the country and, you know, the Air Force Center all over the world. And that's not, that's not her fault. But you also can't, you know, it's hard to come to move back in and run for a statewide office when, you, when you're missing that existing knowledge base of, of the state and the geography and the things that are important, you know, and that's knowing Senator McConnell's, the part that he played in the construction, the improvements, of the port of Paducah is part of that knowledge base that, <laughs> that neither she nor her campaign team have. Right. Well, I mean, we all appreciate her military service. Um, and I certainly, no one takes away from her patriotism and she just, she doesn't line up with the values of, the district that she wants to serve. I mean, she just, she doesn't hit it and it's not really even a close call. And it's, it's really, I, I, I kind of looking forward to these debates cause I just think it's going to be really, really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I well, you know, it, what's telling to me is we have not seen the number of outside group ads running in Kentucky that I thought we would, which, which tells me that, National Democrats have learned the lesson they learned in 2014, which is McConnell's going to win. Don't flood the state with money and a fit of rage because you you're mad at McConnell because you're, it's going to cost you the U.S. Senate. You know, if if the Democrats are going to have any hope of of taking the Senate from Republicans, they're going to have to win other states than Kentucky. <laughs> and you know, it seems to me like they they may have learned that lesson and are and you know the the outside groups are not pumping the money in here at least at this point like they like they had uh, in 2014 and 2008 uh of course i'm sure that's much to the chagrin of local tv stations who probably <laughs> very mad they're not getting that ad revenue um i saw a, a, a press release or, or a press conference yesterday in, in lexington uh overdose deaths are picking back up in lexington i think that's mostly attributed to to uh covid which you know i think shows you especially with people with addiction issues you know you need you need a community around you to, to fight that and when you're not allowed to engage in that community because of restrictions on uh personal activities you know there's there are unintended consequences to all these decisions that are being made on uh how and where and when you can go places and i think you know overdose deaths and it's not just not just lexington it's around the country i think overdose deaths is, are one of those one of those uh, unintended consequences of, of actions that we've had to do to keep people safe. And heart disease and cancer screening and, you know, uh, domestic violence and a myriad of other things that are going on. Cause it's, um, you know, I guess it's like we've stuck a finger in one hole in the, the ship, but now it's just pushing water in all these other different spots. Yeah. Uh, Adam, how's, how's the current COVID situation in Bell County? Cause I know that there was a, there was a pretty, pretty significant uptick there uh, about a month or so ago. And I loved uh, judge Brock's video he had out. <laughs> yeah. He went viral. He had like 150 views on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
Tell him I said you're you're a liberal darling right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just love he's, he's like he's like he's like if you go to Walmart, you get to find you get mad because you 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 went there not knowing you weren't going to wear a mask. What, what's wrong with you? Yep. <laughs> and that is Albie. That's Albie, a hundred percent. Oh, hundred. Yeah, you know I mean? absolutely. He, he 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 was excellent. But no, it's it's. I mean, now it's good. Um, I think we had two new cases yesterday. I think there's 89 active cases in our county. So we had a big uptick. I mean, it went from when we first started, all this came about in early March, late February, whenever it came about. It was, you know, it was mid to late May before we had our first case. Yeah, you guys in so, Berlin were like some of the last yeah. holdouts. <laughs> yeah, like we were like one of like the last six, I believe. Um, and then everybody, you know, kind of went on their summer vacations, got back, and then all of a sudden we just saw, we started seeing big spikes, you know, 25 a day here and there. But ever since then, it's gotten back in check. Uh, it's not community spread down here anymore, which is, I guess, the big thing they're worried about. Um, and, you know, we're adding, some days we'll have zero cases, some days we'll have six, some days we'll have two. Um, you know, we probably average between four and five new cases a day right now. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, we're not, we're not going to stop it. You know, it's just, and it's, it's even debatable as to whether or not a vaccine is truly going to stop it. But, right. you know, four to five cases in a county like Bell County, it's about, right. that's about, that's about where you want to be right now. No, I agree a hundred percent. So I, I don't, I don't know. He's uh he's beat himself up a lot of times, you know, fighting the, the mass, no mass debate online. So <laughs> <laughs> he's banged his head against the wall. He finally said, I'm done. I don't care. You do what you want, but you know, I'm out of here. I've said my piece. So. Uh, I know I'll be well enough to know that, that, that won't last long. He'll be, oh, it won't. <laughs> but, yeah. he, he at least made peace with it for a day. <laughs> um, let's talk real quick about the ongoing fight over, uh, college and high school, uh, sports. Will will we, or won't, won't we, uh, the school board kind of, uh, uh, board of education, I think that they got under a lot of pressure. I mean, they, they, they claimed that, well, it was never, we were never going to consider KH SAA's actions, but man, when you, when you look at the original writing of that, of that, uh, agenda, it seemed pretty clear they were going to do something. And I think they, they got a lot of, got a lot of people jumping up and down in their chests. Uh, yeah. Uh, full disclosure. My, my father sits on that board. Yes. Yes. Um, and, you know, it, it was interesting. He said they got like over 400,000 emails um, wow. from parents. He said it was just overwhelming. You know, I mean, their calls were clogged up. And, uh, you know, my, my thing is, he, he's a Democrat, I'm a Republican. And our kind of gentleman's agreement is, you know, he doesn't ask me to vote for things. I don't ask him to vote for things. Now, we'll talk <laughs> about issues and we'll go back and forth. But that's just kind of where we leave it. Um, and so when that first came out, I agree with you. I saw the, the way it was worded and I thought, you know, they're, they're going to try to, you know, they're going to try to go over top of the KHSAA. And so um, later that afternoon, I kind of talked to dad. I said, dad, what's, what's the deal with this? And he was just like, I don't know. He said, you know, I, KHS has made their decision. He said, we need to stick with that decision. So I think there were just, you know, two or three board members who were real concerned and wanted to kind of get it out there. And maybe they were going to push harder for, you know, the KHS to, to push it off further down the road. I don't know. But once they started getting the emails, um, you know, they realized we need to let KHS make their decision and, you know, let that be that. So. Well, and I mean, like some of these sports, like cross country, yeah. <laughs> it's outdoors and you're, you're, you're socially distanced. Like, how are you not going to have that? You know, uh, what's, what's the, uh, kind of what's the attitude down there for, uh, for, for the start of high school football season? I would say you're, you're in a big, a big football area. Yeah, definitely. I mean, former football player yourself, I believe if that's, Oh, that's right. That's right. Former (laughs) 1998 class A state champion. There you go. Um, (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) yeah, my wife's going to love that. But, um, (laughs) But no, I mean, I'd say 95% in support of, you know, getting it going. Uh, you know, we're a mile from the Tennessee line. They've been playing for three weeks now. Uh, I know they're playing in Indiana. I think Ohio and West Virginia are starting up. So, um, you know, I think especially in border counties and school districts, you know, they can lose kids to those schools who want to, you know, have their senior year of football or senior year of cross country or whatever it might be. Um, and so that's a big concern for us down here. There, I already know some kids that, that went ahead and made the jump. Um, 
you know, before the, or this summer, right before school started and then didn't start. Um, so yeah, 95% in favor. And that's pretty much across the board. Uh, where you're located there on the, the border like that, are there any other specific things that you see uh, like kind of a compare and contrast with what say Tennessee or West Virginia is doing versus with what Kentucky's doing that really jump out at you? Well, um, the biggest thing I see is that their governor allows, you know, local decisions to be made. <laughs> and <laughs> I think, I mean, I think that is, you know, the key to, to facing this in a responsible manner. I mean, what's going to happen in Louisville in Northern Kentucky, it, it doesn't work for us down here and vice versa. Um, and, you know, let these school districts figure out what is best for them, all things considered, and let them go with those decisions. Those are elected officials on that school board, just like I'm an elected official, just like our governor's an elected official. And, you know, that a lot of them, you know, busted their butts to come up with plans. They hadn't got much guidance from, from uh, Department of Education all summer long. They were begging for more and more guidance. Um, they didn't get the guidance they, they thought they should get, but they went ahead and they formulated the best plans they, they could. They got the okay. Uh, some of them were set to open, and then, you know, you get the call that, hey, September 26th, sorry, you know, shut it down till then, so um but then in, in tennessee that's that's the biggest thing i see um attitude wise over there i'm not gonna lie it's pretty wide open um you know i if i hop across the border and do something i'll throw on a mask before i go in a store and i might be one of if there's 20 people in the store there might be three that have masks on um whereas in kentucky it's pretty much uniform now you know you go indoors um you know you're you're putting on a mask so and you know that that one I still have a problem with. Like, I hate I hate the idea of making it a mandate. But man, it it's it, especially if you're just going in, into a store. It's one thing like if you ask somebody to put a mask on and they're working outside and it's ninety degrees or it's it, but like you're going in, going into Kroger. Like I said before the number one way that this thing spreads, the easiest way this thing spreads is through is through recirculated air ventilation systems. Like, right. just put a mask on. It's not. <laughs> it's it literally costs Thank you nothing. You. Yeah, it costs you nothing. I mean, it, 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 you're wearing it for 30 minutes. You run the store for 30 minutes. You can take it off as soon as you step foot out the door. Like you said, it doesn't cost you anything. It's, it's simple. Um, and, you know, there is probably some debate on how proven versus not proven it is. But at the same time, what are you out by wearing it? Yeah. I mean, you're not. That, that, that's my whole thing is, is yeah, you, <laughs> it costs you nothing. You don't, yeah. you don't lose, you don't, you're not losing your freedoms because you put a mask on. And in fact, yeah, Tom, I always laugh. Tom's got a mask that says this mask is as useless as our governor. So yeah, you can, you can make a political statement while you're wearing it even. There you <laughs> <go>. <laughs> I was looking for it actually. Uh, um, uh, I was impressed. So I've, I live pretty close to university of Kentucky's campus and I've been, uh, you know, like biking through there pretty regularly and um, on the street almost. And I, they're all kids to me. I mean, they are, all wearing their mask. I mean, out on the street, on the sidewalks, coming in and out of the buildings, I'm really impressed by it. So I know that the numbers are up there. I think that's just to be expected, but it looks like there's really a pretty high degree of, um, you know, social conscience and, and doing what, what they're supposed to do. But here's the thing. If my six year old can wear a mask literally all day at karate camp, like you can wear a mask going into Kroger. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, 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 you know, it, you're, you're basically saying, you know, you lack the uh, physical endurance of a, of a six-year-old <laughs> when you say you can't, you can't wear a mask come on people um i guess one more thing to get to is since since our last show uh, had the the end of the republican national convention and there was there was kind of some ugly scenes leaving the convention the one to me that was and, and i want to go on a little bit of a rant here about people who protest all right if you're gonna go out and protest you're gonna tom we talked about this a little bit with stephanie last week about having people who know what they're doing lead these lead these things if you're gonna go out and protest understand what you're protesting and who you're protesting because following the person who has filed the bill to ban no knock warrants nationally and chanting say her name and Brianna Taylor at Senator Paul is just ignorant. <laughs> this is a, he's the number one advocate of criminal justice reform. Uh, him and Cory Booker of the entire U S Senate. 
B, he's literally filed the bill to stop cops from doing what killed Breonna Taylor. <laughs> like, he's your guy. <laughs> you should be changing, yep. like walking behind him saying, like, go Rand Paul. <laughs> but it's clear that these people have no idea, other than Rand Paul's a Republican they see on TV, they, they have no idea of what he stands for. Like, edu- If you're going to protest, educate yourself so you don't make an ass out of yourself. <laughs> yeah, that- that's well put. And, you know, in, in general, I mean, what do you all think about, I mean, all these instances, you know, from the, from the protests that, that all these ugly instances that are jumping up, whether they're in Portland, you know, Louisville, DC, wherever, I mean, what, what effect do you think they're going to have on the presidential election come November? I mean, I, it, I, I was arguments them, can be made that you're putting, you're putting States in play that, that I don't, think really were i mean what how does wisconsin look right now how does minnesota look right i, now? I will say bef- before before uh covid i didn't think i thought there was a 0.5 percent chance that donald trump lost this election yeah after covid i felt like there was a 0.5 percent chance that donald trump will win this election but every day that this stuff continues to go on in places like portland uh, you know, it's, and it's especially going to get worse if it spreads more to places like Kenosha, Wisconsin. You know, you're not talking about a city known for its for its liberal activism and stuff like you know, Portland. You can just kind of say oh, that's a weird ass city. People do crazy stuff up there all the time. Yeah, you know, but when you're talking about Kenosha, Wisconsin, and there there's violence in the streets, I think the only path Donald Trump has to to victory is people just get flat scared of of the inability and, and Joe Biden can get up and give speeches all he wants about calling for violent, calling for the violence to end. Uh, you know, that we, we can't, we got to pro- he has no control over it. It, because he's, he doesn't speak for the, for the party or for the left as a whole, you know, and a lot of people aren't, aren't even Democrats. I, I, some of these people, if you, if you ask them, they wouldn't, they'd say they're not Democrat. They're, they're left. And, but Biden has no control over that, but as it spirals and gets worse, that's only better for Donald Trump's election chances because if people get scared, they ain't going to turn to Joe Biden. They're going to yeah. turn. They're going to turn to the guy who repeatedly keeps threatening to bring bring the troops in. Yeah. Well, I'm interested to see the polls over the next few days um, and just see what happens. You know how how they change or if they change. You know um, since all this stuff's come about in the last week week and a half. Um, and two, I think a, a huge part of it is you know one of Trump's you know, weakest spots is like with the, you know, the suburban house housewife. And I think that plays right into that hand. Um, you know, I mean, they, they're raising kids. They want their kids to be safe. They want their cities to be safe. And when you see this and, you know, democratic mayors and governors just basically not addressing it and allowing it to go on and, you know, fester for weeks and months. I mean, that's, I mean, it, it, it's out of control in, in some areas, I believe. I mean, you, you don't think crazy Uncle Joe's going to come out of the basement with his, uh, his uh, I don't know, what's he got, like a slingshot or a BB gun or something down there? I mean, they probably, I can't imagine they'd let him actually have a firearm. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think, uh, Adam, to your point, I, I think, uh, again, as, as these protests leave cities and get out into in you know, more, you know, more rural places, places that aren't used to having protests, places like, you know, a Kenosha, you know, if they, if they were to have a, a, a violent incident like the curtain Kenosha in a place like, you know, Owensboro or Bowling Green or something, you know, that, that is, you have a lot of people who I think are, you know, people, people like me, you know, we're, we are on board with the basic, tenets of black lives matter we, we understand their complaints we we feel them right. you know we're, we're, we're supportive um right. we're supportive of protests we're supportive of getting out there but you know what, supportive once, of peaceful yeah protests. but what, once you start bringing violence into into the suburbs and into you know quieter towns yeah you're i think you're gonna see some people who are currently supportive turn and well, where the where the world has been turned upside down by covid19 and then you literally see tens of thousands of people in Washington, D.C. trying to protest, throwing every type of protocol that's been put in place out the window. I mean, which is it? I mean, I, you know, it's, it's entirely disrespectful. And it, I think the, the contrast, it, it's hard to explain. Yeah, it's, 
it's going to make for an, for an interesting election uh, down the road. By the way, just a, a suggestion. Um, uh, I just Somebody just sent me a text since we've been taping. Uh, you should go check out. Looks like uh, you can get them from Monic Brewing and Louisville Pivot Brewing here in Lexington, Dream, Dreaming Creek Brewing in Richmond, and Wooden Cask Brewing in Newport. Uh, the Guild of Brewers has uh, have put wraps on certain cans of beer from, uh, from, from guild members that say poll workers needed an SOS from your SOS. So uh, uh, <laughs> it seems Mike Adams is advertising for poll workers on the, on the side of beer cans. <laughs> uh, interesting tactic. We'll see how, see how it plays out. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll, I'll at least grab one to put in my, uh, my uh, commemorative can collection. I, I do have a, uh, a six pack of the country boy, of country boy beer from the very first day that they, uh, sold their beer in cans. And, oh, wow. uh, they got they got it like a stamp on on the bottom of it that kind of denotes that. But I'll definitely have to go ch- track down a uh, a SOS from our SOS uh, can of beer. <laughs> the the ner- nerdiest of our statewide elected officials. And that's saying a lot with Mike Harmon as a statewide elected official. <laughs> Mike Adams trying trying to stay cool, trying to stay cool. Glad glad he's got uh, Miranda Harvey, my friend over there at his comms department. I'm sure that she's uh, coming up with ideas to make him seem a little bit less geeky than he actually is <laughs> um i don't think i've got anything else on my list uh, tom or adam did y'all have anything else you've seen over the weekend that you wanted to get to um one last thing for me from the um public republican national convention the four days i thought you know some of the speakers they had were just fantastic and i was happy to, to see them you know kim kim Clasick, vernon jones daniel cameron um i think they did an excellent job um you know, voicing their views and, you know, why they're, why they're Republicans and also that the black vote's not monolithic. And uh, you're seeing more and more, especially on social media, of, of that out there with kind of between 30 and 40-year-old, um, you know, black folks. And I'm interested to see how that translates in this election. Um, I just, I, I feel like there's a certain momentum for it right now. Uh, for them to maybe consider, hey, you know, the, our cities have been run by Democrats for 50 years, and yeah, we're nothing ever happens here. You know, we're still in a bad place, and things don't seem to be getting better. Maybe we got to look somewhere else. I don't know if they'll go there with Trump in this election, but I think there's enough voices out there that um, I, I think that tide's starting to turn, and I couldn't be a, a bigger fan of that. You know, I thought there was there was a it's interesting. There was an article in the uh, New York Times this weekend that uh, tried to make the case, like you know, oh, Republicans try to you know make try try to try to play the so you know based on the on, on the racial issue, try to get try to attract more more uh, uh, African American voters, and it was kind of written in a condescending way, trying to trying to say like that we're you know they're putting on a, putting on a show, putting on an act. Nowhere in the article, as stretched from the front page to like three quarters of, of uh, you know, the, the continued on page, nowhere in the article did it mention the name Daniel Cameron, who yeah. every pundit agreed made that case better than any other speaker at the entire convention. I thought it was interesting that the New York Times chose to ignore him while making a case that his speech ran counter to. <laughs> that just, just kind of shows you how, you know, you don't have to technically be fake news. Sometimes you can just leave out facts. You know, yep, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a, lie, a lie by omission is still a lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I guess, uh, Tom, you got anything else for the weekend? Nope. Hey, oh, yeah. Uh, closed, closed uh, mouth accepts no foot. Big, big, big weekend <laughs> for, uh, for, for big blue nation on the basketball front, by the way, uh, Jamal Murray had a, had a massive game to uh, continue, continue the Nuggets on and big weekend for, for UK football on the field. Got the uh, a t- top 150 recruit, number one recruit in the state of Kentucky, offensive lineman committed to the Commonwealth or to, to, to yep. uh, University of Kentucky. So. I saw uh, the photo. Yeah, that, that's a big young man. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a large fella. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah he, play, he plays nasty too. I mean, I've, I've seen him – some of his videos, I mean, blocking. I mean, he's 25 yards downfield just burying safeties. I mean, the kids, you know, I, I'm excited about him. So. so how, like, old school Kentucky football would it be if in the year of, like, the pandemic that screws everything up, this is, like, our best year ever at football? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, without without question, that that is the epitome of Kentucky football, right there. <laughs> that were to happen, I'd say, yep, that's that's us. Win an SEC East title with a giant asterisk attached to it. Yeah, like, <laughs> or, like like it gets canceled going in the SEC championship, game, something like that. <laughs> yeah, like oh, okay, great. All right, well, uh, Representative Adam Bowling, thank you for coming on with us today. Yeah, thank you all so much. I enjoyed it. I'm around anytime, so yeah, call me up. I'm I'm always ready in the bullpen. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll see see if I can't get my uh, my former college advisor to come on at some point who is now the president of Wofford College. We can have, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We can have we can have a ter- we can have a terriers discussion between uh, you and uh, President Sam Hat. And, uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, as always, you can get Kentucky Politics Weekly wherever you stream your podcasts: uh, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever. Uh, if you get us on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to give us a review, uh, and we will be back with you on Tuesday to talk some more Kentucky politics on the next Kentucky Politics Weekly. <laughs>